Welcome to the Tesla Future Series, a three-part podcast to explore the future of energy, transportation and society through the lens of one company, Tesla. In this episode, we look at Tesla through the electric 20s. This is the decade where electrification goes mainstream. We zoom out and think about the big trends, what the drivers are and how it will play out. Okay, so there's a lot of ground to cover in this episode, but perhaps we should start with what do we mean by the electric 20s? The electric 20s is our term to describe a shift that's going to happen over the next 10 years where electrification of transportation goes mainstream. Today, there are approximately 2 million EVs sold per year. By 2030, there may be up to 40 million EVs sold per year. It is the decade when major automakers scale EV production, from today's small-scale proof-of-concepts to creating great products at scale. It is the decade when consumer perception changes. When people think of a car in 10 years' time, they will think of an electric vehicle. People will buy internal combustion, combustion engines for specific niche use cases only, and that's only if they still can. Many legislatures have targeted 2030 is the year in which sales of new internal combustion engines will be banned. Wow, okay. So that is a huge shift from where we are today. Where do we think consumer sentiment is right now? I think you're right. Consumer sentiment is pretty negative on electric vehicles at the moment. We think most consumers see EVs as a niche product, an inconvenience, less reliable, kind of a novelty item and clearly more expensive. But what is really interesting with consumer sentiment is how quickly it might change. Everyone has agreed on the end point that there's going to be lots of electric vehicles sold in 2030 and 2040. But how quickly this changes, how quickly this happens is less clear. And we think one of the important factors will be consumer perception, which could change much faster than people are aware of. People will see their friends buying EVs. They will experience an electric vehicle for the first time. Major automakers will start advertising. And you could potentially see this wholesale shift away from the internal combustion engine before automakers have really scaled. And in this situation, you could potentially see an internal combustion engine death spiral. As people see electric vehicles getting cheaper and cheaper, as they begin to see them EVs as a product for them, and instead of exchanging their internal combustion engine for another one, They hold out for one year, two years, three years until they can find the right EV at the right price. Okay, so what do you think the drivers will be for the shift from internal combustion engines to EVs? This is a really fun part of the story, even though predominantly it's about government policy. And the story begins quite a long time ago in the 90s with General Motors, when they began exploring the viability of an electric vehicle, the first people globally to really do this. And they called it the EV1. Now, the EV1 was, by today's standards, not great. Low range, bad infrastructure, not very reliable. But consumers loved them. They were quick, they were fun, and they were zero emissions. The problem came for Big Auto when the regulator in California responsible for air quality looked at the EV1 and said, "Okay, we're getting to the point when electric vehicles are technologically and commercially viable. 
can we use EVs to curb air pollution? So they said, let's create some legislation which mandates that a certain number of EVs have to be sold based on the number of cars you sell in California. Now we imagine that Big Auto wasn't overly happy with this. They were probably broadly happy to experiment, but they didn't want to be mandated. And it is hard to create profitable EVs today, let alone 20 years ago. So long story short, GM wound up the EV1 program. And more broadly, there was a lobbying effort to water down the legislation into the ZEV credit system that you see today. This story is told really well in a documentary called The Death of the Electric Car, which we recommend because it is great context to explain what has been happening over the last 10 years in China, where we have seen a very strong policy incentive, which has made China the real story of electrification. Okay, so Tesla is getting all the headlines, but the real story of electrification is actually going to come out of China. Yes, and it's probably fairer to say the real story has been happening in China for some time. It's not just been as maybe well publicised or prominent or exciting as the story of Tesla. For example, in 2011, there was 8,000 electric cars produced in China. In 2018, approximately 1.3 million electric vehicles in China. So in a very short space of time, they've gone from almost nothing to producing 1.3 million per year. And I think you should let that sink in. Figures can be misleading, but I don't think that one is. Another statistic, it is estimated that there are now 400 EV manufacturers in China today. 400. And what has allowed this growth is a huge stimulus by the Chinese government. Any manufacturer selling an EV would qualify for an $8,000 rebate, which is pretty generous. More recently, this has been toned down and they were introducing a very similar system to the California ZEV credit. But it is more important to the story than the California ZEV credit because it is a national policy. So it will, it will apply to all automakers selling cars anywhere in China. And as China is now the world's largest car mar market, it will drive all manufacturers to create EVs for the Chinese market. Okay, so you've seen a large stimulus to get China to 1.3 million EVs per year. That's being toned down, but it's still a very positive policy environment. Yes, it's still, it's still very positive. And there's some other really interesting quirks with the Chinese system. So if you are in some big Chinese cities and say you have loads of cash and you want to go and buy a car. Actually, you might not be able to because you need a license to buy a car. And the license may cost $10,000. But even again, if you've got the money, in some of these cities, you have to win an auction for the option to pay $10,000. So there are lots of people, we think, who want to buy a car, but can't. How does this relate to EVs? Well, the Chinese government have said, if you want to buy an EV, you, might, you may get to skip both the auction and the fee. So in China, you have to purchase the right to buy a car, uh, which sounds a bit bizarre. I wonder how much pent-up demand there might be for a competitively priced Tesla produced in China. It's hard to know. And of course, we, any, everyone is guessing. 
but I like to think about it like this. If I was a Chinese consumer who wanted to buy a car and needed a car, and I wasn't able to buy an internal combustion engine, then someone says to me, you can buy this Model 3 over here, and either you don't have a waiting list, or there's no license fee, or both. We think that will be a very compelling offering to a lot of Chinese consumers. So slight change of track. Why would China invest so much in stimulating their EV industry? Three reasons. To reduce dependency on oil, which has to be imported. To reduce pollution, especially in the major cities. And to take a stake in the future of transportation. And it is this last point that is perhaps the most interesting and worth exploring further. If you think about, in macro terms, the nature of the auto market over the last hundred years, predominantly it's been driven by brands and companies outside of China. And the Chinese companies have been playing catch up. However, the shift to electric vehicles levels the playing field. You could almost think of 100 years of capability and expertise being thrown away. And we think there's going to be some new brands built and that they might be built in China. And what's more, the Chinese government have recognised this opportunity and the stimulus that they've been doing over the last 10 years has given a lot of domestic battery and EV producers the opportunity to get a really good head start. And not just in the future of transportation, but potentially a bigger opportunity as well. Okay, would you walk us through what you mean by that exactly? Yes, so right now, we've been talking a lot about the application of battery technology to electric vehicles, but there's a bigger opportunity, or at least as big an opportunity, in exploring the application of battery technology to grid and residential storage. So we're also in the next five to 10 years going to see increasing amounts of energy produced locally. And if you're producing energy locally to manage the grid, you really need battery storage to support that process. So if you are an expert in battery technology, you can apply that to both electric vehicles and the second opportunity within the decentralization of the grid. In addition, the nature of what a car might look like over the next 10 to 15 years may change dramatically. At the moment, if you're creating an electric vehicle, it looks very similar to a current internal combustion engine, except you're just switching a battery uh, in for the internal combustion engine. However, as the story of autonomy unfolds, if you could remove the driver from cars, potentially you could see a wholesale change in what that car looks like. Now, that's obviously an opportunity for the manufacturers of vehicles, but it's also a threat. So to mitigate that threat, you could almost say Chinese companies could become the experts in supplying batteries. Now, that could be batteries for the future of autonomous vehicles or within the energy system. I understand that policy can and will stimulate the market, and this has given China a lead, but eventually, doesn't the battery industry need to exist without subsidy? Yes, and we're already seeing the stimulus being toned down. And as we get some scale, we're seeing prices come down. And eventually, as prices continue to come down, we will get to a stage where electric vehicles make sense at lower prices and they can be profitable to produce. And the same thing for grid and residential storage. Exactly when that battery costs come down is a bit of a guess, though. 
Okay, so we've covered the policy story and that China will be the big driver. What does the electric 20s mean for Tesla and other automakers? Okay, so the first point that's very relevant is in regards to what we just said about China. And it gives us a new narrative for thinking about the success of Tesla during this decade. Up until now, many people talk about Tesla as the driving force within electrification. But if you accept that China wants this transition to happen really quickly and they're willing to support that via a very strong policy environment, via stimulus, via supporting a growing market in China, then really Tesla gets to ride that wave. And you could almost look at it and say it's China plus Tesla that are driving this transition to an electric future. With regards to Tesla specifically, though, we think this decade was the decade that Tesla was built for. Battery costs will come down, consumer sentiment will shift, and the market will grow dramatically. And Tesla's product range will grow over the next three to five years so that they've got a great offering in every market segment. So we think everything looks rosy for Tesla? Yes. But conversely, we think the further you look into the future, the harder things might become for the traditional automakers. Not all, but some. And we see a really big challenge for Big Auto in this transition because they've got so much invested in the internal combustion engine, people, supply chains, intellectual property, production lines. And if you make this switch to electrification, so much of that has less value. Now, this isn't a dominant story at the moment because electric vehicles are still on the margins. But as the market grows and the traditional automakers are forced to make this shift away, we think it's going to become a much bigger story. So we're coming to the end of this episode now. How would we summarise this? Um, We summarise this by saying China and electrification is going to be the big story over the next 10 years. And Tesla's obviously going to take advantage of that because they've been preparing for that. Um, It's in China's interest for this shift to happen really quickly. And a lot of the Western media, I think, focuses too narrowly on Tesla as the big part of this story. It's really going to be China with Tesla taking advantage of it. So perhaps the electric 20s should be better termed the chilectric 20s. Additionally, we think that For the major automakers, the further you look ahead, the harder it's going to be for them. And we think the consumer sentiment will change much faster than some people are saying today, because it's only really one experience in an electric vehicle. One of your friends buying a car, you sitting there realizing that this is a great product, and then you realizing that the cost of it is coming down that is going to lead to this potential wholesale shift. So that's going to be a really interesting story to follow over the next 10 years. A few closing thoughts from us. Thank you very much for joining our lovely podcast. In the final episode, we think about Tesla in the longer term. As batteries become a commodity, how will Tesla maintain a competitive advantage? As ever, please do reach out to us at hello at thefutureseries.co. Ooh.